I'm a believer that you don't start a sermon with a disclaimer, but I'm going to today. I'm, I don't think I've ever been more nervous about a message, and I've preached a lot of messages in a lot of places. And that's because we're talking about the discipline of confession today. We've been going through a series of Christian disciplines, disciplines that Christians should apply to their lives to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And I feel like today I'm supposed to confess some sin to you guys, and I've been in turmoil about it. And in part, I'm okay about it, partly because of some of the things that will come later in the message, and partly because I'm with a family that I know is a merciful family. But it's also just an awkward thing. But like I said, I feel like it's something I've got to do, so I'm going to do it. It was about probably six years ago that I was at a, at a, uh, a book signing. It was, it was a, a large expo in uh, Orlando, Florida that I've talked about in here one time before. And, and so my latest book was being released, and, and so people line up for a long way to, to get you to sign their book, which always kind of tripped me out. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But it was, it was like a victorious time in my life. Something really cool was happening. And I went back to my hotel that night after the signing. I was alone. Um, I, w- I had the symptoms that they call HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. They say when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, be careful. Um, I wasn't angry, but I was hungry, lonely, and tired. And I went in the hotel room, and I broke my own rule. My rule is never flip channels. That's my rule. When I'm traveling by myself, I do not flip channels. And that, that evening, for whatever reason, I just thought, okay, I'm safe tonight. And uh, so I turned on the TV, and, and you guys are already starting to guess what happened. Uh, the, the first place I flipped was their adult movie section. It was just the next progression when you hit channel up. And <clears throat> pornography had not been an issue for me, I mean, ever in my life. I, even, like in college, I was exposed to it. I'd walk in my friend's dorm room, and they'd be watching it. Uh, my, do- my sweet mate had a stack of magazines that he kept in, you know, in his room. And so I had seen it. Uh, but it had, never, it had never pulled me in until that night. And, and the short of it is, that night, about six years ago, I went on about a three- or four-hour pornography binge. It, I, I, just, I saw some things that stirred me up, and, and I ended up getting on my phone. I didn't even watch anything on the TV. I, I ended up getting on my phone and typing in some things that I'd been curious about for a long time and watching, watching stuff for, for several hours. And... Uh, I, I crossed a line that I honestly, up to that point, didn't think that I was capable of crossing. I, I just, for whatever reason, it had never really pulled me. I, I had never been strongly tempted by it. Uh, and so the next morning, I got up and I watched a little bit more, even. And and so then I went back to the to the expo and and did the whole gig and flew home and just knew that I had really blown it. And so the, one of the very first things I did was, was call my wife in and say, Kara, we've got to talk. And, and, and I mean, this was within hours of coming home. And I said, I, I told her, I said, babe, I crossed the line that I didn't think I was capable of crossing. I, I just really didn't think it was in me to do this. But I did. And uh, it was hurtful to her. And, you know, there were a few days where we didn't much want to talk to each other. And... <clears throat> The, the short of it is, and I called one of my best friends that I trusted, said, I need to confess something to you, and I told him what went on, and I uh, since then have told you know, two or three different people about it so that they can ask me, how you doing? Because, because the truth is, opening that door made other doors harder to keep closed. It just, it, it's just a reality that that changed something in me. And since then, I've had a couple run-ins with it. Um, and, and it's something I'm ashamed of, and it's something that, that when it has happened, I've immediately gone to my wife and confessed and immediately gone to my friends and my senior pastor back home and, and said, you know, this is, this is something that's happened to me. 
Um, and so we've had to get, uh, I, I just am tempted by it now. I wasn't before, I am now. Um, to this day, if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I feel it pulling. It's like somewhere I could go just, uh, and, 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 and I know it's awful. I, I, read a, uh, I read the story of an ex-adult film star um, a while back, and she, she mentioned, she, I remember this quote, she said, my job was to make you hate your wife. That's what an ex-adult an ex film star said about the pornography industry. She said that was her job when she went on set, was to make men hate their wives. And so I know how awful it is. I, I you know, and, and ni really, 98% of the time, it, hold, it doesn't hold anything for me. It doesn't, it doesn't attract me at all. But during those times, and, and I, what I found is a lot of times it's after a victory. If we'll come in here, we'll have a great service. I'll wake up on Monday morning feeling pulled towards it. Now, I'm in a place in my life now where I'm accountable to people. Uh, I have passwords on my computer. Care, I, there's certain social media sites that I learned at, immediately after that that I can't be trusted on. I just can't. And so she knows my passwords to even log on to those sites, and I don't know what those passwords are. Um, I'm, I'm safe. I'm doing great. But the, the, the point is, I needed coming out of what I had done, I needed to expose that. I needed to just bring it out into the light and make it clear. And there's a passage in Scripture that I believe strongly, which is why my first impulse after that was, was to go and, and talk to her. And it's in 1 John, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It says, this is the message that we've heard from him and that we declare to you. It says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And then it talks about if we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And I believe this. I believe that one of the best, and we can talk about the definition of sin. Sin is missing the mark of God. It's not being what God is. I think a lot of us have messed up ideas of what sin is, but sometimes sin is just being stupid, sometimes sin is being rebellious, sometimes sin is being wicked, and there's a whole spectrum there. Um, but regardless of what you've done, what I've done, I believe the scriptural answer is to bring those things to light. It's not an easy answer, it's not, it's, it's not fun, but when, when you blow it, or when you're evil, or when you hate, I think one of the best things you can possibly do is to walk into some light and say, Look at my scars. Look at, look at my ugliness. Let it be seen. Because, as Scripture teaches, that's when Jesus purifies. That, and and, and, and as, we, as we go on, you'll, you'll see more of that. But, so I have a bunch of random thoughts on confession. Um, starting here, that this is not God. And here's what I mean. You know, the, the, the song goes, you better watch out, you better not cry, right? Oh, that's not the song. What is it? Uh, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. Right? He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. And, and a lot of people do have that perspective of God, is that he's making this list of sins. And if you don't confess each of those sins, and if you don't repent of each of those sins, it's, it's hell to pay. Literally, some people believe that. And, and so it brings up these questions like, okay, so I'm a committed Christian, I'm, I'm following God, I'm worshiping, I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm in a car accident, and right before I die... I'm screaming profanities, right? 
I mean, something comes out of my mouth from out of nowhere, and what happens to me then? Because I didn't get a chance to confess that sin. You, you have a Santa Claus view of God. You don't get God at all. He, we have this jurisprudence view of sin that we, you know, we, have to, we have to pay a price for each one of them, and if that price isn't paid, it's not how it works at all. I'm a, I'm a believer that Jesus covered it all, and, a lot of it, and it comes down to being connected with him. You've seen our logo, and, and uh, this means a whole lot to me, because to me, this summarizes the mission of Daylight Church. It summarizes my view of what God is like. And, and when I think of God talking about sin and talking about confession, I, he, he, Jesus seemed to talk about that there was a kingdom of darkness and there was a kingdom of light. And light is joy and peace and hope and compassion and mercy and beauty. And darkness is lust and envy and hatred and friction and anxiety. And, and really, mo- all of us have this choice of which direction we're heading in this tunnel. We have this choice of, of heading in the direction of darkness. And, and so, so I could have come home from that, that situation in Orlando, and I could have just let that grow and fester and, and hide it and disguise who I am and become a, more of a hypocrite than I've ever been. And in that case, I'm moving down the tunnel towards darkness. doesn't mean I've arrived at hell. I don't, I don't know exactly what it means, but it means that's not the path I need to take. Instead, Jesus would have us take a path towards light that says, look, this is who I am. This is what I did. Clean it. Fix it. And that's what he's in the business of doing. It means, so when we talk about confession, we're not talking about going through our list and making sure each one is fixed. What we're talking about is taking a direction that says, I'm going to walk towards God. I'm going to walk towards the kingdom of light. In John chapter 3, which of course most of us are familiar with, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But the passage goes on to say this. It says, light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his work, his works have been carried out in God. So there's this idea that when you come to Jesus, you become a person who chases light, who chases exposure who chases letting myself be seen for who I am and, and for what I am and for the choices that I've made. It means I can't hide in darkness anymore. I can't retreat into a cave of, of not wanting anyone to see who I am. But instead, the gospel is a gospel that says, hey, bring it all out here and we'll fix it. But as long as you're not willing to bring it out, and as long as you keep it hidden, it, 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 it really binds God's hands into what he can do. A lot of healing comes from walking into light. We are all saints and sinners. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are both a saint and a sinner. Uh, he, if you take the Apostle Paul, for example, Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, he would be the big dog where Christianity is concerned, right? Here's a couple, passages, a couple things that he wrote. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says this of himself. He says, of whom I am the worst. Or in one translation, he says, of whom I am chief. I'm the captain of the sinners, he says of himself. But then elsewhere, he talks about how in Christ Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. How righteous is that? And you see, there, and you, all throughout the New Testament, you'll, you'll find this almost seeming contradiction that says we are saints and we are sinners. And here's, here's what I believe. I believe that we are spirits who live in a body, and in a body that has a mind. And I believe that the work that God does on a person is a spiritual work. 
I believe, you know, it, the, the scriptures talk about being born again. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. I think that's talking about a spiritual work that happens. I think God comes in and gives you a new spirit. But once you have a new spirit, you're still dealing with that same jacked up mind that you've always had. You're still dealing with that same jacked up flesh that you've always had. And, 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 and so there's, there's this dichotomy between God has done a spiritual work in me and made me new and made me his own and made me his child. And yet, there's this drive in me to do stuff that I know I don't want to do. Paul even talks about that. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. He says, what a wretched man am I. And it's just a reality of the Christian faith that you will not in this life be perfect. And anybody that tries to tell you otherwise, in my opinion, has missed out on a huge portion of Scripture. And yet, if you ask me, what is my identity, I will not tell you that I am a sinner. I don't, I don't think, I, I can quote Paul and say it, but, but my thinking is that once you've experienced Christ, once you've had a, a, a new birth in Him, your inner self is changed. I have become a saint in God because Jesus deposited Himself in me. I'm a saint that blows it. I'm a saint that's an idiot sometimes, and yet that work that he's done in me is very, very real. And anybody that knew me 20 years ago could tell you, he's a different guy now. And that's the hope for you, is that you will progress in the light. It doesn't mean you escape the tunnel of darkness just like that, but it means you're walking that path towards light. I think uh, confession obviously breeds humility. It's, very, it's embarrassing to stand up here in front of you today and, and confess what I've confessed to you. Uh, it was embarrassing to go home to my wife and tell her. Um, there's no question that when, in, in order to confess, you have to humble yourself. You have to say, okay, look, I, I got I to tell you something here. I, I don't have it all together. The smile on my face isn't permanent. There's, there's some darkness there. And it requires humility. But you know what? Humility is an absolutely beautiful characteristic to have. In fact, I don't think anybody sees the kingdom of God without a great deal of humility. Because really the bottom line of the kingdom of God is he's God, you're not. Let him do his stuff. And that requires humility. It requires saying, I can't do it. I am powerless. But you are powerful. It also heals the conscience. You know, you, you guys have all seen the cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. And my, my thinking is the longer you walk a dark tunnel, the quieter that angel voice gets. I think the further you go, Whatever the depths of depravity are that tempt to pull you in, the more steps you take towards it, the more, in my opinion, you tell your conscience to just shut up. And the conscience is a great gift from God. And so the, the scriptures teach that the conscience can be seared like with a hot iron. It means it can be burnt off where you can't even feel it anymore. But when, when you are willing to confess, when you mess up, when you blow it, and you let it come out and you let it be exposed... You let that conscience remain intact. You let it stay where it's supposed to stay. It also, like I've mentioned already, keeps you from going further down the rabbit hole. A confession holds you accountable. If I, if I was serious about losing five pounds over the holidays and say, guys, I, I intend to lose five pounds over the holidays, and I put that out there as accountability to you guys, that's going to drive me. It's, it's going to push me to work harder on my diet because now uh, kind of my pride is at stake. And in a sense, when you confess... What, you, what you're doing is saying, I want to fix this. I want to make this right. And you're starting to allow accountability in your life. You're letting someone in to ask you, how's it going? And you're letting your conscience 
remain intact. And you're, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping my point here. You're, 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 you're fleeing the rabbit hole. See, there's this idea that you can... A lot of what we think is that I'm only going to go so far. We think, we think I'm only going to have those extra drinks, that, and, and, and I know that in the past I haven't been able to control that, but, but I, I, you know, this time I'll be able to. And the next time you think, well, this time I'll be able to. And the next time you think, well, this time I'll be able to. And then finally you're going to say, ah, why bother? Can't do it. I could easily have done that with pornography. I could easily have said, you know, well, I did it once. Why not dive back in? And that's what happens when you walk into the rabbit hole is there's this pulling towards more. And there's always going to be a pulling towards more. It also breeds progress. So if I'm an archer, when we talk about sin, what we're talking about is missing the mark. It's almost an archery term. It means I'm aiming for the bullseye, but I miss the bullseye. Now imagine that I'm trying to be a great archer, and I'm missing the bullseye. In fact, I can't even hit the target. And I get up there and say, well, guys, I know I miss the target every time, but I am a great archer. I have no need to practice. Then I'm a fool, right? So what happens with confession is you're saying, you know what, I'm openly admitting I missed the mark this time. And once you've openly admitted, then that gives you the freedom to work harder. A lot of self-help programs, a lot of addiction recovery programs, will all, they'll all tell you that it all starts with mumbling something. Admitting, it starts with admitting there is a problem, right? And if you're going to be a great archer, you have to admit you're not a great archer now. If you're, if you're going to progress and learn and grow, it starts with saying, well, I'm not there yet. And that's confession. A lot of us pretend we're something we're not. In fact, it's probably fair to say all of us pretend we're something we're not. All of us want people to see an image of ourselves that isn't the real image of ourselves. And confession, in, in one way, circumvents that whole problem. Confession gets it out there that says, you know what, what I'm trying to be, I'm trying to attain, I'm trying to get there, I'm not there yet, I'm, I'm going to let you see it. And it means removing masks. You know, there's all, there's all kinds of people who come into church and they wear a face that they don't wear throughout the week. And they go and they hide who, that person and hide who that is. Well, confession says... That's not right anymore. I'm not as good as everybody thinks I am. And again, that allows you to escape the rabbit hole. It allows you to progress. It allows you humility. So you've got to be willing to let people see some ugliness every now and then. It also propagates mercy. It breeds mercy. Let's say that I came back from Orlando and never told a soul. And... I hit it, and it grew, and it festered, and it turned into darkness. And, and even today, let's just pretend for a second that I was just walking in that deep-seated hypocrisy that says there's one way to love your wife, and I'm pretending that I'm living that way, but I'm not. Or, um, you know, that there's one way to view human sexuality, and I'm preaching and teaching that way, and yet I have this darkness going on in the background, right? And then one of you guys comes to me and says, hey, you know, I've been, I've been dealing with this issue of, of pornography. Now, if I've been lying this whole time, I don't have the freedom to be as open and merciful as I should have been. Because I still have to hide from you my experiences. 
And yet, if I've confessed, if I brought it, see, if you guys get on my, let's pretend that you guys, some, one of you could pick up my phone back here, and you could look back five years and see these sites that I visited that night. Let's just pretend, okay? Now, you would think, that's my pastor. He's a pornography addict, right? But now that I've brought it out in front of you, and I've said, this is what I did a few years ago, and somebody gets on there, nobody's shocked. There's, there's nothing that's been exposed in such an ugly way that it can't be recovered from. And I, I can now talk to people and say, I experienced the same thing you're experiencing. Here's the steps that I took that have been really, really good ideas in my life. But man, I feel you. I get what you're going through because I, I, I have been there. And if I hide who I've been, I can't say those things. I can't connect with people the way God designed me to connect with people. So it certainly breeds mercy. I can't decide if this is a stupid effect or not. Does anybody know what that picture is? Can you tell? Yeah, now it's coming into focus, right? I think you will never see God as clearly as you could without confession. Because you will always see him as Santa Claus who's making a list and checking it twice until you're willing to just walk into light and say, here's who I am, this is all my ugliness. Help me, help me. Because what you'll see is he helps. What you'll see is that he will step in and he will move on your behalf. So you get to see what God is actually like when you stop trying to hide from him. When you stop trying to hide from God and you stop trying to be someone you're not and you stop wearing the masks and you stop having your vision clouded, then you get to see God. Because what God, Scripture teaches that we can go before the throne of grace with confidence, looking for help in time of need. That's the God that we serve, is a God that you can go to and say, I did this. I've been stealing from my boss at work for years, and I've been trying to hide it, and it's ugly, and I, wanna, I want help. And what Jesus, he doesn't say, oh, you're bad, you're out, man, erasing you from my book. It's not what he does at all. He says, man, I'm glad you're walking this path towards light. Now let's see what we can do to reconcile this situation. And he takes your hand, and he walks with you. And you get to see him for who he is in a way that you would never see him apart from confession. So what do you do? Um, what, what are we talking about when we, when we talk about, what are the practicalities of confession? And I want to encourage you to take time to search. The psalmist wrote this, and, it, and David had done some nasty stuff. He had murdered somebody to, hire his, to, to hide his sexual sin. I mean, it was crazy stuff. But he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know me. Know my thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me. And so my... I think it should be a reg... Now, there's some people who all they do is confess. I mean, that's all they ever do is, God, please forgive my sins because I know they're terrible. Please forgive my sins. Please forgive my sins. And if that's your entire connection with God, I'm telling you, you've, you've really missed out on, on the kind of God that he is. The, the, the real way is just to say, God, come in, do something, and he'll do it. But I encourage you to take time and make it a regular practice. And this is what it's, it's easy to get out of a regular practice. Take it a regular practice time and even start a list. Make your own Santa list. If somebody's going to keep a list, it can be you, not God. God's not keeping that list. But if you want to deal with that stuff because it will move you from the tunnel-facing darkness to the tunnel-facing light, then you say, okay, I've been doing this at work. I've been thinking these thoughts about this certain person. I have been neglecting any kind of prayer in my life. I haven't cared about people who are hurting. I mean, it's, it's, real, it's real simple. To get, all of us could do it to get down and make a list of how we've missed the target. But I think it's something we need to regularly practice because all of these reasons that I've mentioned, you bring those things in front of God and you say, I haven't cared about those who are hurting. 
help me. And you start seeking him and asking him what you can do. And you let him start a fire in your life and in your heart so that you do start caring. But if you just leave it off the list and you don't, you don't even bring it before him, you're just going to bumble on through your life without caring about people who are hurting. But if you'll confess, admit that there's a problem, then he can start the work of healing. And then confess to God. So once you've done your search, once you've come up with your list, and it, I want to be real careful that you don't just take this as an opportunity to beat yourself up all the time. Like I've mentioned, we are saints and sinners. Jesus does a one-time work in your life where he gives you a renewed spirit. He starts you over. But then we have to walk out that path towards light. And just be confident if you're walking towards the light. Don't worry about how much darkness you're in as long as you're facing the right direction and moving in that direction. And yet, I, I do encourage you to take time to confess. Jesus tells a parable of a, of a, a religious guy a Pharisee, I mean, he was, he was the religious guru of his time. And then there's this tax collector who's a thief, basically. And they're both in the temple, and the religious guy is standing there going, God, I'm thankful for my life, man, because I, I tithe all my money, and, and I, I fast twice a week, and you and I have just connected, and it's great. So thanks for that connection, God, because I'm pretty swell. And the second guy, it says he can't even lift his head to look up. It says he's on his face saying, basically, I'm nothing I'm nothing. I, I can't live this life right. And then Jesus asks this question. He says, which of those two do you think left connected and right with God? And it was obviously the second guy. And so he doesn't, if you come to him, you have nothing to fear. This is what he wants you to do. He wants you to come to him and say, I've been blowing it. I have really messed this thing up. I, I have been making mistakes. I've lied to people. I've covered up who I am. And he says, man, thanks. This is great. Now we can do something. Let's get to work. Confess to others. I, I encourage you to find someone you trust. Find someone you know that can keep, keep a confidence. And just tell them your list. I, it, is there anything that could bond people together more than sitting across the table from one another saying, man, I've, I've been experiencing this, this, and this. And, and the other person saying, you know, I, I've been experiencing this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden you know you're not alone anymore. All of a sudden, you know you're not the only person dealing with the struggles that you deal with. It's, it, it, it brings people together when you confess to others. James tells us, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. If you feel like you're walking in darkness, that you're wearing a mask, that you are not being what you want to be, you're, you're giving off a fake image of yourself, find someone you trust and let them pray for you. And it will do something. Something powerful will happen. So I encourage you to find someone and confess. And finally is make amends. Now here's where, this is where the rubber hits the road. I mean, this is, this is where things get dicey. You know, there, there's this guy named Zacchaeus that was a tax collector. And the tax collectors, what they did is basically they extorted money out of people. So the, the person owed $100 in taxes, they would go collect $200 and keep $100 for themselves. And it was just, that's how they made their income. And they became very, very wealthy cheating people. And that's what this guy was. He was a cheat and a liar and a thief. And everyone hated him. And he had, a, he, he had this dinner with Jesus. And Jesus spoke. And Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he said, i got to change. And this was Zacchaeus' response. He says, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
he makes amends. He doesn't just confess. He doesn't just say, here I am in all my ugliness. But he says, now I've got to work hard to fix the situation. And Jesus' response, today, salvation has come to this house. Whatever you've done, whatever you've embezzled, however you've lied, however you've cheated, whatever face you've put on, once you've confessed, once you've brought that out in the open, then the next step is to say, what do I do next? How do I fix this? For me, it was saying, Kara, you're in charge of my passwords. You are. I mean, there's times I'm preparing a sermon and I can't log on to some image sites because she has control of my passwords and I've got to find some pictures for my sermon. That's a price I pay because I blew it. That's a price I pay because I know that I'm tempted. And so I have to say, Kara, babe, will you come log me in? And she'll come up and she'll log me in and I'll have 30 minutes of free time to find the right pictures and then we'll communicate. Later she'll say, hey, have you seen anything you shouldn't see? And I'll say, no, I haven't, but thanks for asking. I knew you were going to ask and that helped me. And so it, it means... Taking the next steps. So you don't just get it out there and say, hey, I'm ugly, but doggone it, I'm staying ugly. You get it out there and you say, okay, now what is the next step? What do I do from here? Here's my final point. Confession ends well. This picture to me sums it all up. Because when you confess, when you make amends, when you walk into light, there is freedom and there's joy. It's not about God making his list and checking it twice and and trying not to squash you. It's about him wanting you to walk in openness and freedom. And and you know what? I don't have to be scared what you guys see on my phone anymore. You guys now know who I am. You know what I'm capable of. I don't have to fear it, right? I can be free now in this area. It's not something that that I'm hiding, that I'm under a rock and trying to pretend I'm not. I'm a pastor who could easily look at pornography tomorrow. I'm taking the steps so that I won't. My wife at one point said to me, please, 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 don't look at it again. And I haven't since then. Those words ring in my ears all the time. And so even if I'm doing images for a sermon and some picture comes up, which does happen, I hear, please, please, please don't, and I'm gone. And, And so it means taking the steps. But then there's freedom that comes. And that's what you want. That's what you're after is freedom. Jesus often gave away forgiveness. A sick man came to him. He said these words. He says, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. What could be better than that? Is there anything in all of life that could possibly be better than God saying, you know what? You didn't fit in in my kingdom. You weren't right for it. But I'm giving you every possible gift that I can give you to make you right for it. I am embracing you and calling you my own. God will say that to you. There is nothing in life more valuable. And a huge part of embracing God is turning towards the light and saying, I won't walk in darkness anymore. I will not embrace it anymore. I will run from it. And again, it doesn't mean that you're out of darkness entirely. It means you're facing a direction. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning. It means I'm not walking down the tunnel of darkness anymore. I'm turning and walking toward the tunnel of light. And as I walk towards that, Jesus is reaching in and he's pulling me in his direction and he's healing me and he's redeeming me.